Hey, this is Jeff. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and join us at the table as we talk to another great leader about faith, church, and leadership. Welcome to the Leadership Trip. Rob, my buddy, we're back at the table. It's about time. We've kind of had a little bit of a break here for a couple weeks. The listeners don't know that because it's going to come week after week after week. But (laughs) you and I have been away as we've started taking a semester break. The semester's ended here at Lee University. Um, We are in the rainy season of Cleveland, and we've got our warm cup of coffee. And I don't know if you remember this. We were at Passion about a year ago, and a young lady shouts our name from across the room. Do you remember that? I was the only time in my life I've ever felt truly famous. Like, we we had been around some of the most famous people (laughs) in Christendom, and and this young lady hollers at us and wants to take our picture, and I was, like, blown away. And we are blessed and honored to have her at the table, my unique Inez. And listen, you may know her better as Instagram for Believers. She is crushing it on social media. She's a young adult pastor, a socialpreneur. She's a fellow podcaster at For the One. And listen, she does a better job than anybody I know at using her clout at influencing the kingdom. My unique, welcome to the table. Hello, thank you for having me. Passion feels like so long ago, man. It does, doesn't it? it my, my wife and I talk about it all the time because we went to Passion and we were like, God, it's going to be an incredible year. <laughs> You're yes. such a it's, a, and it, it's still been an incredible year, but but you get the point. It, it kind yes. of, uh, not quite the way we expected. So. Well, yeah, we were all there. And for our friends listening who maybe weren't there, we had one of the greatest, I mean, it was probably the greatest New Year's Eve of my life. God, one of them. I yeah. agree. It was a blast. Hillsong United on stage. They, there's fireworks going on outside and we ring in the new year and, and everybody felt like 2020 was going to be a great year. Yeah. And it's been an interesting year. And it's been an interesting year for you because you have taken over now as a young adult pastor at your church. How did that come about? Believe it or not. So I had went to a conference right before passion. So I ended a conference in November and then I had one in December. And so I felt the Lord, um, just planted in my heart because I've done youth ministry for 11 years and I had been a youth pastor for six of those. And so the Lord had just put it on my heart in November of last year that a transition would probably happen for me to start like getting used to young adults because growing up, it was always like kids are so much more fun. I love youth ministry. I love being able to play dodgeball whenever I want it. Um, and so just going into that he had just planted that in my in my mind and so I remember getting ready to board a flight to Oklahoma and I had journaled it like okay God you're you're speaking young adults to me I don't know what that means but we're just going to write it down and so um going into passion you would expect that people would be like super spiritually high of just like yes I'm going to go back to my town we're going to conquer the kingdom and we're going to do ministry um I got back from passion and completely resigned which was like the funniest, weirdest thing. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but this is what God is asking me to do. And so um, then COVID hits and everything just changes for everyone. And I had a local church actually reach out to me. And I had been to this church several times before because I had almost grew up doing it when I was a young adult in like 2015, um, attending ministry there. And they had actually just reached out to me and said, hey, we have a position that we've honestly been thinking about you for. Like the position had never been online or anything like that. It was just like in their hearts of like, oh, hey, this girl, I think this is a possibility. And so I had began meeting with them for a couple of months. And I was like, it's so crazy that God had kind of just planted that in my mind uh, back in November. 
and here I was in the August interviewing over and over for this position of just like, here's, here's the transition that God was talking about. So it's actually just crazy how that came to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to kind of uh, pick on something here just a little bit, because I think, I think uh, there's a significant moment here uh, that we need to pay attention to. And I think um, I'm wondering like in my own life and we're obviously older than you, my unique, (laughs) we're a little bit older and for myself and I can't speak for Jeff, but for myself, I'm wondering in my life, how many times I've missed God opportunities because it just didn't make sense. And so for you to have the courage to go into something that you were doing, that you were passionate about and just simply resign, not because you didn't pray about it, not because you didn't know it was the Lord, but, but to actually take that risk is huge. And I think, you know, in our lives, we, we often miss the, the God caveats, you know, the, mm-hmm. the God side trails that lead to just exponentially more or exponentially better or whatever, because it just doesn't make sense. So just for a second, walk us through sort of that, what I anticipate was probably somewhat of a, of a gut level, gut wrenching process for you, but walk us through what it took for you to, to hear God to know it was God and then actually to step out and courage and resign when it didn't seem like it made sense. Yeah. So I, once I had gotten back from passion, so I got back to California. I was just like, it just doesn't, I have to, I have to pray about this because I've, I've been with my kids for so long at this point. Um, and it was my biggest thought was like, I feel like I would be like doing a disservice to the kingdom if I do this. But at the same time, I had to really like to spend a lot of time in prayer and asking mentors um, about like the things that I had been processing at the time of like, okay, but ultimately it was, you know, every mentor that I have, including my mom was just like, at the end of the day, this is something that you have to pray about and something that you're going to have to do like on your own. It can't be anything that we're telling you or saying like it has to completely be God because once you do this, like you can't really take it back. And so um, I just spent a lot of time like, God, if this is really you, then you're going to have to help me do it because I never wanted to be that person to let it go. Like let go youth ministry, let go of not my kids because they're still a part of my life, but like let go of my kids and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so um, I think just in that process of me praying, like, God, you have to do it because I'm honestly too much of a baby to do it. <laughs> um, was just like, God really did it. Cause after I had, you know, written the letter and like talked to my pastor about it, it was just like, it, it was not me at all because I, th- I don't think I would have been able to do it because I myself know I was emotionally attached to the ministry, emotionally mm-hmm. attached to my kids. Um, and it was something that God really just had to like take over in for me to be able to have the strength to do it. Yeah. And that's so hard when you're, when you're so emotionally connected to what you're doing and maybe even something that you love, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, off before we start recording my unique confess, she's an Enneagram too. It's nice to have a fellow two at the table, Finally, a lot of sevens lately. (laughs) And, and my unique, what, what, what Rob doesn't understand about you and I is, is we, we have to overly process sometimes and we have yes. to really wrestle fear. Rob's a seven. So if it sounds like fun, he's going to quit the job and go to the next one. Amen. <laughs> so as twos and have all this empathy, we overthink a lot of times and, and I'm speaking for you, but I hope this is true. Yeah. And there's a lot of processing involved yeah. yes. and a lot of feelings involved. 
And you said a couple of things that, that the Lord directed you, you heard from the Lord and, and you have a big reach that is beyond just the kingdom. A lot of people follow you on socials who are probably not saved, not Christians. Unpack what, what that meant for you hearing from God, because I think a lot of young adults struggle with that. They don't know that they're hearing or they don't know how to hear. So how in that season did you hear from God to know it was the right decision? So I don't think, I think just because I was so emotionally invested, it took me a while to cope with it, um, actually until COVID hit. And so I was still obedient. I still attended service. Um, I just wasn't serving. Mm -hmm. And so I still was, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to go to church and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because I think as believers, it's important that we have community around us. And so Mm -hmm. um, my pastor was completely understanding and was just like, you know what, if this is what God is calling you to do, then then that's it. Like, I can't even be in the way of that. And so um, just, I think it took a few months to, for me to like process what I had just done because it wasn't until COVID hit that I was like, oh crap, what have I done? You know what I mean? Because (laughs) then you have churches who are scrambling to switch to online and still be able to provide community for for their churches. And so I literally just became lost. And so um, outside of ministry, my mom had owned a banquet hall here in town. And so I would work that. And so once COVID hit and it was like, oh, you guys can't have people like 10 people, more than 10 people in a place. It was, it was rough on us. And so we made the decision to close down. And so at that point, it was really like, God, what am I doing with my life? Like here I have resigned from ministry. I'm not really working. Like, what are you doing? And so um, right before COVID hit, God had just instilled in me of just mustard seed faith. Like, I just need you to have mustard seed faith and trusting me and trusting my plan. And so that was the hardest thing until I was like out running errands for my my grandma and I seen a jar of mustard seeds. And so I was like, dang, like, these are so small. You, you, you hear about how small they are until you actually see it. And so I actually just bought the mustard seeds to set on my desk. And that was my reminder that like, I was hanging on by a thread of like, God, I'm not sure if I trust you right now because look at all that's happening around us. And so um, it didn't hit until COVID had really taken place of just like, oh, I really have to start trusting God. And so um, throughout the next couple of months, it was always just a mustard seed faith that I had of like, God is going to provide, God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And so um, just thinking of that every day and sitting at my desk and looking at a jar of mustard seeds that I had bought was just a reminder for me that this is the faith that God tells me that I need to have, even if it's, if, even if it's a little. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, it's certainly an anticipated sort of reality of this whole season. Most of our guests for this season have at some point probably brought up a conversation about uh, COVID and the impacts on church, the impacts on leadership, the impacts on ministry, the impacts on their personal lives or whatever. And, and certainly um, it is that affected yours in, in multitude of ways. But I think what you're saying here is such a critical uh, piece of the conversation again, because it wasn't until the crisis hit that you really realized how much you did or did not trust God. And I think for all of those who are listening, especially the young adults and young adult leaders who are out there listening, there is beauty in, in the, in the ability to persevere, to be resilient. There is power in understanding where your help comes from. And sometimes that cannot happen until it's kind of stripped away. You know what I'm saying? And and we've already had that conversation on the show before, so I don't really want to get back into it too much, but it's just a great reminder. And I love the fact that you actually bought 
a little thing of, of mustard seeds. I mean, <laughs> what a powerful kind of, uh, kind of, uh, image to keep in front of you at all times. And, and, and that's such a cool story. Yeah. So I want to kind of mix conversations here because you are, you are, you know, like Pitbull, you're Miss Worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> in your, in your reach and your influence. Do you mean Pitbull the 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 the, the, yeah, the artist like the are you quoting Pitbull yeah, the show? Yeah, I guess so. Sure, why not? Um, I don't know if we're not that kind of show. <laughs> sure, whatever. Okay, sidetrack. But you're walking through sort of this this personal crisis. You have this platform on Instagram, um, Instagram for believers, and we'll get to that conversation how that came about. But how did you wrestle that out? sort of privately and both publicly um, because sometimes on our, on our socials, we want to put the, the best face on and, and, yeah. and lose our authenticity and not reveal what's going on. How did you sort of walk the personal crisis and be authentic in your social media presence? Yeah. So I, over the years, I think God has allowed me to be able to be vulnerable with people who follow me or people who see my content. Um, so I had shared that whole process. Um, not every single detail because there are still things that I like to keep private, but right. um, from the moment I stepped down, I had to let people know, hey, this is a public statement of like, hey, I'm stepping down from ministry right now. A lot of things don't make sense. It's not that you know anything wrong was, was done to me or anything like that. It's just simply me following what God is asking me to do. And so, in that I had explained that I was, you know, taking this season to myself um, to really spend time with the Lord and figure out what was next. And so if I'm being honest, everyone was completely supportive and just thanking me because they don't see that side of ministry a lot. They don't see a side where people are like, Hey, I'm stepping down, you know, for X, Y, and Z reasons. And so um, I had actually put out a whole post of just explaining um, why that change was happening in my life. And I think just in general, it made people appreciate it more of just like, dang, like people, cause people forget that people with platforms are real people sometimes. And so I always have to reiterate to people, like I'm a real person behind this, behind this account. Like I'm a real person who deals with real life things. Um, and I just get to share that with you guys. And so sometimes it's, it sucks that people forget, but it's, I have to remind them like, this is what's really going on because I'm human, you know? So um, a lot of other things I kept private just until the Lord allowed me to share. Like I didn't share the fact that I had just, um, my mom had just closed our, the banquet hall that we had had for like seven years, eight years now. Um, I didn't share a lot of that until it was time for me to share it. It was just like, hey, there's a few things going on that's going to require me to kind of just be away with the Lord. Uh, and here it is. And so people, I think for the most part, just appreciated um, the honesty that came behind it. Yeah. So um, uh, you've listened to the show, um, you know, since we started it pretty mm -hmm. much. And so you're not going to be surprised if I say I'm going to throw you a curveball here because <laughs> this conversation kind of reminds me of an article that I read this morning. Um, and I'm going to forget the title of the article, but basically what it was saying is we don't need cool pastors anymore. Right. Um, I think that was the uh, was, John Cooper from Switchfoot is the one who started that is, conversation. Is that, is that what it is? Okay. So I, I just saw the article this morning and kind of breezed through it. But not Switchfoot. I'm sorry. Skillet. Skillet. Anyway, shout out to Skillet. Um, so so we don't need cool pastors anymore. And essentially, what they're saying is we need to to focus less on being seen and and focus more on being authentic. I guess is 
is yeah. the is the nutshell. So, um, and I think one of the cool things about certainly about your social media presence and power is that it is very transparent. Um, I mean, you share your journey quite quite a bit, and so in in your your generation. So, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? What is kind of brewing in the undercurrent in the midst of crisis and chaos that's around us, right? In in the midst of all that, what are you seeing about this cool factor? Like, are people really buying into that conversation or is that just more kind of rhetoric for, for good, you know, sort of, um, I don't know, hits or something, you know, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I think as far as like, my generation of like the millennials and then also like Gen Z coming up, I think it's completely true. Um, people are less concerned with how great people look on a platform. Um, there's, they're just less concerned with that and more concerned with the real life issues. And that is because they're going through the real life issues. And I think it's like, I think it's cute sometimes when you have like the cool people on these platforms and even pastors and preachers. Um, but there's something special about people that are vulnerable and authentic and just being real. Yeah. Um, in all of my years of ministry, and I think I can speak so well to to the fact of like authenticity because my church, for example, had had different youth pastors before me. And something that parents had always asked me was, how can they like you so much more? And I said, I think it's because I just keep it real with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not really one to sugarcoat it, even in ministry. Like I just, I tell it how it is and I tell it, you know, even biblically just how it is and how it's going to relate to people. And so I think if anything, that's what pre- people have learned to appreciate more because we see not to use the word fake, but we see fake all the time, you know, right. with, with TV, with reality TV shows, no matter how much they say it's a reality TV show, it's all scripted and it's all fake. And so as much as that's entertaining, it's not real to people until you take a step into what seems like their lives and the things that they're going through that we realize like, oh, this is just really authentic and I love that. And so I think just in general, for me having a platform, that has been one of the biggest factors for me is just being authentic because that's what a lot of people, a majority of my followers have been like, that was my drawing card to start following you. Like, I just love how real you're being in this post and so forth. Yeah. And, and not to get nerdy, but the research bears that out. Like, so what we're learning about young adults, what we're learning about youth ministry from a research aspect, from people who are studying it, um, the care pals of the world and and those folks, authenticity wins. Yeah. And this yeah. is not about style. Like, I think you can still wear the Jordans and still be authentic, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not if that. It's just, if, if the Jordans are saying. who you are, yeah, that's like, who you are. like there's some pastors here in our town that if they showed up in the pulpit in Jordans, it's not who they are. <laughs> like, it's just not who they are. I've got Jordans. You're okay. It's authentic to who you are. But, but so authenticity wins. And I think that's so important on platform, off platform, yeah. on stage, yeah. off stage, because Gen Z millennial generation, they have an authenticity meter that is like high, high, high. Like if you're inauthentic, they're going to catch it right away. Sniff it out quick. They're going to catch it right away. And so one of the things that we're learning and that I think a conversation that has really thread through this whole whole podcast, the whole time I've been on it, is authenticity wins. Um and, and the, you're echoing that from from your side, from from the local church ministry to the social media church ministry, which is a church in itself in a lot of ways. Um, how have you fought the 
the draw. I mean, like follower count, listen, the endorphins are a real thing. You get a lot of followers and it feels good. You know, you get a lot of likes, it feel good, feels good. How have you fought sort of the, the draw to post just for, just for the following? Yeah. So, um, it's definitely a thing, no matter how many times people say, just because it's like, as your platform continues to grow, so does the demand of like, oh, what am I going to post today? Like, what am I going to encourage people with today? Uh, personally, for me, I spend a lot of time just like talking to God at random of just like making sure my heart remains humble in these things. It has, there have been seasons where I'm not as encouraged as I feel like I should be. And so I don't say things much. I'll, I'll just post little things here and there because Instagram loves fresh content. Um, but there did come a season actually a couple of months ago where I had to kind of heart check myself and realize why I do what I do. And so mm-hmm. in that, it's just like God had taken me back to like the beginning stages of why I started this in the first place and why I do it. And so um, I think for me, I always have to be reminded of those moments. Otherwise, I'll forget. And then I become just like lost in, oh, this I'm just posting to get more likes or posting for followers. Like I always want to have a reason for my post and why I'm posting it, because I know that's what God has always been doing throughout the the last couple of years that I've had the account. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, an important piece of the conversation is uh, sometimes life will, will do that by accident. Sometimes it'll do it on purpose, right? Where you have those opportunities to reflect and heart check yourself. Um, But I think what maybe those of you listening who don't know you that well or not on Instagram for believers, uh, you have a pretty powerful story of just personal tragedy and, and recovery. And, and I think you're probably still in that process, but in uh, October, 2017, you were in a pretty serious car accident and uh, that you say kind of changed and shaped your life. Um, so kind of walk us through that and uh, kind of where you are today in that recovery process. Yeah. So I think because of how traumatic the accident was um, that it really did just kind of change. Cause I had been in like, two prior accidents, but I didn't get hurt. Um, This particular accident, I ended up fracturing my vertebrae um, in several places to the point where it was like shattered and I had to have back surgery and months of physical therapy. uh, I spent a couple of months like on a walker and I was like 26 at the time. And so it's hard like going backwards. Like I think I remember just like crying out to God because I'm like, I'm 26 years old and I can't use the bathroom on my own. Like, what is this God? I was doing so well. Like I had been working in ministry. Um, I was dating at the time that was like, we were talking marriage and so forth. And so after the accident, everything just kind of changed, um, in more ways than one. Like I, like I said, I was in a relationship that I thought would end with like, you know, marriage. And that was the, the plan, but that didn't work out. And so that was taken away. Um, due to the extensive extensiveness of back surgery, um, I was like put on like this bed rest, like stay at home, uh, type thing. So I couldn't work in church. I couldn't see the kids or anything. So that was taken from me. And then I couldn't work because I was on so many different medicines at the time. And like, I just, I would either just be awake for a couple hours and then sleep. Like it was just a whole process. And I think that 
um, in that I just became alone with the Lord. Um, I had been doing ministry nonstop since 2011, and that was the first time that I had to just sit. And I think just being in that like season just changed the way I see things because I also didn't like I think I was oblivious to things like depression and anxiety Mm. where it was like before it was like oh yeah we'll pray for it but then I started going through it myself and what people would tell me they would pray for it it was almost like I wanted to punch them because it felt so unrealistic um, to what I was going through and so the Lord really helped me grasp and understanding on things like counseling and therapy and getting help when needed and so it just changed the way I see things um and it really just helped me like realize that I needed to as much as I was working in ministry and like doing great things for the kingdom I wasn't really taking time to be alone with the Lord because I got face to face with myself and it became a mess for the next like year and a half and so um it was just a process I still deal with back pain now just because I have like a few cervical uh strains that I get every once in a while and I know that I still wear a brace when I need to but um it's better than what it was and I thank God for that but it really just changed the way that I started viewing things yeah I think um maybe it's a personality type maybe not Uh, you can chime in Rob but sometimes when we're in ministry we're some of the worst people to be ministered to like we give 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 and and to the well nearly runs dry and we are terrible about receiving ministry. We're terrible about seasons of sitting and seasons of rest and, and those type of things. So in this, what I would call a season of sitting, what, what did you learn about God that maybe you didn't know? I think, I think I knew, but I didn't understand. And that was that he still loves and cares for me. Even when I, am not pastoring even when I'm not because I, I also wasn't posting on Instagram for believers much because like I said I wasn't encouraged to do so and so um, I think in that I had to to learn that God loves me regardless of my title that people see me as like oh a youth pastor young adults pastor um, even like outside of like Instagram for believers like at the end of the day I'm just my unique and I'm his daughter and that is the one thing that is never going to change yeah so I, I, I think um that whole process. And I think about, you know, especially um, your, your Enneagram types, you and Jeff, you know, your number twos, you almost get euphoria from expending yourself for other people. Oh, we love it. You know what I'm like saying? Like we, like it, they call it the yes. helper for a reason. It is like yep. the joy of my life right. to like go, how can I help you? Like I say help probably 7,000 times a day. <laughs> well, and, and it's not that that's a bad thing. Like, no, like, no. Seriously. It, I, I, let me say on the show, if it wasn't for Jeff, there wouldn't be a show because, because he likes to help that much. That's if like, it wasn't for Rob, like going, let's do it. I probably would have never done it. Well, that's <laughs> true, but, but maybe, but the point is, the point is, I think there's always a healthy rhythm right. for yeah. all of our personality types, right? Because our personalities are God given, no matter what your personality is, it's a God given mm-hmm. personality. And I think it's always about understanding uh, the boundaries and the barriers and the pitfalls and, and the uh, the the joys of having the type yeah. of personality that you have in ministers are the worst. Oh, at yeah, spending themselves beyond yeah. what is healthy. In, right. In in what the enneagram too, for those that maybe not friends of the enneagram or follow it, the 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 helper, the number two, we will we will give of ourselves and keep giving of ourselves and keep giving of ourselves, right? Yeah. Until we got nothing left to give. It, it's just. Yep. 
part of the wiring. And so it takes intentional decisions or God disrupting our rhythm for us to rest and recover. Yeah. Um, and, and I've never had a car accident that traumatized my life like that, but I've had seasons where God said, Hey, we're done with that. And you're going to sit for a minute yeah. because you yeah. need to do. Um, so I think it, part of it's a personality thing. I think it's just good rhythm for anybody in ministry to sometimes go, Hey, I got to take a minute. Like I got to be refreshed. I got to be ministered to. I got to be poured into. Um, I used to say that, that if you keep giving from the well, the well runs dry, you've got nothing to offer but mud. Yeah. Like at the bottom of the well, it's just dirt. I mean, yeah. so at some points, I think God interrupts our story and goes, hey, hey, you need to, you need a season of sitting, a season yeah. of rest so that you can be filled back up and have something to yeah. give from. Um, and it is a rhythm. It's a challenging rhythm to maintain. But um, and I'm not saying that, that God interrupted my unique season. I think I think he stepped into that season and, yeah. and refreshed her. Um, I think seeing where she is now, she's giving from a very healthy place. Right. Um, and we're, we're, we celebrate that. And I want to, I want to pull the, the sort of the thread back even further. Uh, you said you've been in youth ministry since about 2011. Listen, yeah. we, we did some youth ministry. We're fans of youth ministry, but I really want to unpack. How did you first recognize the calling in your life? Um, so, I didn't at all. Uh, My pastor was the one who called it out in me. And I said, no. Um, We've all said no. We've all said no. You're in good company. We've all said no. Yeah. So, um, so I, the reason I started ministry in general was um, I actually lost my brother to suicide. He was 18 and I was 17 at the time. And so I really just felt it. I took it personal of just like reaching the next generation. Um, And so, that didn't happen until my pastor had actually heard me speak at his service. And he had called me like a couple of weeks after. And he was like, Hey, like, I don't know if you know this, but you're a really gifted speaker. And I think you have a call to ministry on your life. And I was like, you're funny. <laughs> no, thanks. And so um, he, he would just call me and just like, Hey, I want you to try just serving in our youth ministry and see what happens. And I was like, nah, because when you hear ministry, you think perfection. Right. You think that you have to be like, people like want you to be perfect and you have to like lead people. And I was like, I'm not cut out for that. Like I really just am not. And so he actually just kept, kept out it. him and his daughter, who was now one of my mentors of just like, Hey, I think you should try it out. And so um, literally months down the line, I had tried it and I was like, Hey, this is actually not so bad. Like I like it and it was fun. And so um, I don't think I received a, like that was the, the initial start to ministry. And then I had went to, a a retreat in 2013 where god was just like that's what that's what i'm calling you to do like you're going to be in ministry probably for the rest of your life so so it's interesting that's finishing take on it so you you the calling came almost incrementally so you you communicating you were leading then you talk about the retreat it was like and sometimes it happens that way sometimes we have the moses moment and we're called out the desert and we go and other times, I think there's a lot of stories like yours, my unique, that that the we grow into the calling because at, at 18, you may not have been ready for what all God had. And like, right. listen, I, I don't remember who said it, maybe John Bevere or somebody else on the show that said it. we had re- recently that if we saw all that God had for us, we would run so far ahead trying to get there, we wouldn't get through the process. Or we would just stop entirely because we couldn't handle it. Oh, I know I couldn't handle you it. Know, like, like, yeah, for sure. So I think it's, it was John. 
so it's interesting that you walk through this process. So as you sort of journeyed this process, when did you sort of see the gifts of your life come, come out in that? And how did you see God sort of develop those in you? Um, so I, it took me a while just because I, I'm not like a words of affirmation are not my strong suit. And so people would tell me all the time, like, Oh, I think you're super gifted. Like God has a calling on your life. And I would just kind of like, Oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like I didn't pay (laughs) much attention to it. I think it wasn't until I started um, Instagram for believers that I really started seeing um, and believing that more just because it was like, it's one thing for people at my church to say it, like they have watched me grow up. Um, they knew who I was like my mom, like I had been at that church since I was a baby. So they literally watched me grow up. But it's like when you get people from different States and just like all over the world, just like encouraging of like, Hey, like, like you are a gifted speaker. Like you can really like, do what God has called you to do. That's when I started realizing the weight of like, oh, this might be it, God. And so it just it just changed the way I started um, carrying my gift. Honestly, I yeah. started carrying it a little bit more, you know, prouder, like standing up straight of like, this is what God is calling me to do. Yeah, that's so cool. And you you've mentioned this a couple times already on the show, but um, kind of talk us through who your mentors are and kind of what your process is of engaging with them at what level is it like once a year is it every week like kind of walk us through the people who are who are mentoring you and leading you in your life yeah so um I always have my mom um first and foremost is like because my mom knows me more than anybody (laughs) and my mom also um is super like in tune to her spirit so I know that I can never go wrong with asking her things or just like right. bringing, bringing something to the table. And then um, outside of that, my pastor's daughter is someone that I'm extremely close to that I consider a mentor. And I actually talk to her every week, um, nice. mainly because like, I just ask a lot of questions and I like to have like guidance and a lot of things. So um, I actually talk to her every week, uh, whether it's just like a text or a text conversation, or I'll just like pick up the phone and call. Um, I, believe so much in mentors and having them um I think it's kind of hard because we have this generation who as much as they want to like say we don't need the older generation like we need the older generation Mm -hmm. um because I don't think I would have gotten anywhere had it not been for my mom and um my pastor's daughter who is a a mentor of mine of just like helping me get through some of the heaviest seasons of my life yeah that's what a lot of people don't understand about mentoring and and I think if if you're a leader listening to the show and you think mentoring is this this task that you have to right. take on, and it's important to do. Believe me, I'm a huge fan of mentors and mentoring. Sometimes it's a very informal process. Um, it's a text here or there as the Lord prompts. It's something you see in somebody that you encourage or call out. It's it's a hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, I'm proud of you. Um, hey, I'm going to get coffee. Do you want to come with? a lot of mentoring is very informal. Like right. it is a, it is a on the go. It, and if we very see it, organic. yeah, we see yeah. Oh, there's a buzzword. Yeah. We, yeah. we see it scripturally though. That was Jesus. It was like, Hey, I'm going to Galilee. Y'all come with like, I don't think she said the Southern accent like yeah. that, but, <laughs> but that's really how it was. It was a sort of organic, this sort of like, as we go, come with me. 
and that's the process of mentoring. That sounds like what you've had in your life. Now, now there's some seasons of formal mentoring that we all need, I sure. think, and some sitting down, tough conversations, some guiding conversations, but mentoring and, and, and what I, what I'm catching and I'm piecing together out of my, my unique story is she's had these people informally mentoring her and then she's informally mentoring a bunch of young youth and young adults. But it's, it's, it's the narrative that I think is repeated. Look yeah. at Jesse Davis, look at Hannah Grinnell, right. look at uh, Josiah Keneally, look at, you know, Grayson Beard, all these people that we've talked to on the right. show who are doing a good job of mentoring the next generation right. are being mentored themselves. Yes. It's, it's the conduit of mentoring that leads to better mentoring. It's, it's amazing, Rob. And I think in my unique and probably yeah. speak to this, there's people behind the scenes that never get seen in her life yeah. that are having influence to help her have greater influence. Right. Would that be true? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Instagram for believers has this huge following, but it's been breathed on by her mom, by her pastor, by her pastor's daughter, by her love for Chris Durso, which she makes no qualms about. <laughs> Chris, did you hear that? You've got a big fan. You've got a big fan of my unique. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there's people behind the scenes that are, are really some of the influence of the influencers. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I think that's an important, important, like, so that's the importance as a leader, keep influencing people. Even if you don't have a huge platform online, keep influencing people. And because it's going to have, if it's, if the system works like it should, Paul has Timothy, Timothy pastors Ephesus a huge church that's that's the process and then ephesus goes and reaches the world and then the world gets reached i mean it's a trickle down just because your influence doesn't get seen in the bigger picture doesn't mean there's not influence oh you mean it's biblical well you said it not me you said it not me i want to ask this question and we've we've had some some young ladies and and some some ladies who have served for a season in ministry on the show have you had any kind of rub or tension with being a female pastor? Oh, yes. All the time. <laughs> all the time. Um, yeah, because you it's it's crazy that people have this mindset that God can't use women. And when you look at scripture, he's used women countless times. And yeah. growing up, I thank God that my mom had always instilled in me that like the gifts that God has given me, that no one can take that away. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like it i get it all the time even still currently unfortunately but i know that this is what god has called me to do and and he has allowed me to do it because i wouldn't have these doors or opportunities had it not been for god himself opening them and um i thank god that i just like my mom raised me to be very like independent and really just pressed into what god is doing that it doesn't necessarily affect me in a negative way where it's just like i would have like i have older guys all the time like oh you shouldn't be a pastor and you know it just I I kind of just smiled I'm like hey if you have a problem with that you should probably take it up with God because there's nothing that I can say or do to change your mind and so um just making sure that I remain grounded in who God has made me to be um that way my focus is not shifted towards what people are saying about me and about my position yeah yeah we had Beth Moore on the show I don't know a couple weeks ago a month or so ago we love Beth we do yeah fantastic um, obviously. And, uh, so anyway, she, she talked a little bit about this as well, because obviously she came up, you know, through the ranks, if you want to call it that, you know, 
20, mm-hmm. 20, 30 years ago is when she really began to, right. to, to step into her full-time ministry and calling and, uh, and what she does. And obviously she has tremendous amount of influence, but the point is in some ways the narrative is better, but in some ways the narrative really hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think it's, it's, it's a handicap to the church when we disqualify anyone from service because of their gender, yes. male or female. Right. Now, theologically, there are some who do and will and probably always argue about the roles in the local church, female, male, uh, yeah. you know, submissive, not submissive, can't be an elder, can be an elder, whatever. Those are theological concerns, but they're not, they're not kingdom concerns, right? They're, right. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I think it's cool that at a young age, as a young woman, a young African-American woman, mm-hmm. right, that you are just boldly sort of blazing some trails uh, that will not only help you, but I think will help many young women coming up behind you. And so uh, this is just an important conversation we need to have in general. And we need it's an important conversation that we need to keep moving the ball forward on. Um, so anyway, I just want to applaud you for for being bold and courageous um, in those areas. Yeah. And I love, I love the fact that you frame it in a way that the gifts and the calling that God gave you and no one can take those away. Right. Like, I mean, there's, listen, people are going to, there's going to be haters. Jesus said that, said it in this world, you're going to have trouble. They hated me. They're going to hate you. I just don't think we counted on them being from the church as much. <laughs> <laughs> but but li- if you look biblically, Jesus's primary haters were from the church. That's true. That is true. Yeah. So I think there's a, a good example, a good a good evidence of what there's, we're gonna what it's gonna come from. Yes. Um. So, but your framework is good that that God gave the gift, and so my unique, you have this this big voice in in sort of a soft spoken manner on the show, but a big voice in social media. So if a young adult, a young lady's listening, who's trying to wrestle out the calling for herself who has naysayers, whether they be from the church or not the church, what would you say to her? That you would have to trust God more than man. Um, it's really easy for us to listen to everyone else yelling at us and, and telling us otherwise. But the most important thing when you're a woman in ministry, I think is really, really keeping your eyes focused on God because the moment you let that seep into you that someone else's opinion um that's when we start to sink and so um to anyone that's you know a, a female just wanting to live out her calling in ministry trust that god and what he is speaking to you and, and telling you and the things that he has gifted you in um are things that no one can take away from you and so it's just important to focus on our creator in these moments where we feel like everyone just wants us to rip us apart <laughs> because we want to serve in ministry yeah that's good that's good well my unique i I know you got a busy schedule we have a busy schedule and and so we want to kind of wrap the show up here and uh we have one final question you know the question but let's ask you forever he may not be a a regular listener yeah um we we host here at the uh the lovely rainy campus of lee university December day in Cleveland is what it is. Yeah. And so we want to know what you, what, le- what is one lesson you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom? Oof, um, I have to think about that. I graduated so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're telling me. <laughs> um, 
I think for me, it's okay. This is going to sound really weird, but for me, something that I learned not in the classroom was to always take pride and joy in my work. And by that, I mean, I used to just submit stuff for the sake of submitting it so I didn't fail. <laughs> that I really didn't, like, I didn't love what I, what I did. Um, I just did it to make sure I didn't fail a class. And so I think outside of that, as life lessons come and go, I have always learned um, to really take my time with the things that I'm putting out there. And because at the end of the day, when it comes back and I see it, I don't want to be like, I should have put more effort into that. Like I should have cared about that a little bit more than I did. And so um, that is something that even now that I take so much pride and joy in is making sure I take time to really spend time on my work versus just like having something done to say I did it. Yeah, that's good. That's great. Great. That's, that's great answer right there. Great answer. That's some wisdom. My unique, we have a lot having you on the show and we can thank you. you again. And uh, hopefully at some event passion somewhere, yes. I'm back in California anytime soon, I may try to look you up, but we would love to, uh, connect again with you, but we've loved having you on the show. We appreciate so much what you do, the voice you have and uh, just keep, keep working, keep mm -hmm. plugging, keep making a difference. And uh, we're very proud of you. So as uh, we always say here at the Leadership Drip, you've always got a seat at the table with us. Thanks, thanks for all my unique. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey friends, thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Drip. We loved having you at the table for this conversation. Would you do us a favor and comment, rate, subscribe, and share on your social media? That way we can get this content to other great leaders. And stay connected with us on Instagram at The Leadership Drip and on Twitter at Leadership Drip. And remember, you have a seat at the table. <laughs>